Hello, Ask Me Another Live audience. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. And I'm Jonathan Colton. And before we start the show, we need your help to peer pressure all of our listeners into donating to public radio. So, how many of you support your local member station? It sounds like a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. I think we need a little more specific data. So, on the count of three... Here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to yell out exactly how much money you're donating, okay? One, two, three. Just a rough uh, sum. Yeah, tally. From, from yeah. what I hear, about a billion dollars. Oh, fantastic. But in case your math is a little off, uh, let's let our listeners know how they can support our show so they can be like these very cool live audience members right here. Yes. So... Go to donate.npr.org slash AMA. That's donate.npr.org slash AMA. Now let's all say it together. Listeners at home, you say it too. Donate.npr.org slash AMA. And of course, now that you've said the URL out loud, that's basically a verbal contract to donate. That's right. Let's start the show. Cue the theme song. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. We have an amazing show for you. We have four brilliant contestants waiting to play our nerdy games. They're currently backstage making gingerbread apartments with gingerbread roommates who never buy gingerbread toilet paper. (laughs) And soon they'll be up here, and one of them will be our big winner. And our special guest is Paula Cole. It's going to be exciting. Paula Cole is an incredible singer-songwriter, so prolific, and if you were around during the 90s, of course you know her hits, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, and I Don't Want to Wait. And I Don't Want to Wait was, of course, the theme to Dawson's Creek, 90s team drama that people loved. You know, the song, I Don't Want to Wait, is actually about Paula Cole's grandparents' very difficult marriage. But when TV execs heard it, they said, wow, what a sad story. Let's play that over footage of super sexed up 27-year-old teenagers (laughs) who are hanging out by a creek for some reason. I don't know. But also, can we agree that that show over-glorified creeks? (laughs) They're not that great. (laughs) Yeah, creeks are not so fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Let's go hang out at the creek. Yeah. You might say to your friends. No. I'd be like, no, thank you. Right, exactly. Right, what do you find near a creek? You find, like, old Hustler magazines, empty beer bottles, extra-large mosquitoes. Right. Boring. Boring. Uh, There was that one time we found a dead body, but other than that... (laughs) Right, you don't want to tell that story all the way through? (laughs) We don't have a phone to take a photo of this, so who cares? (laughs) Doesn't exist. Right. Literally pics or it didn't happen. (laughs) That's right. Problem solved. You're like, we're just going to tell someone about this? They won't believe us. They won't believe it. (laughs) 
We've got a game in our show about the 80s. We've got a game about phone calls. We've got a game about bad movies. So really three games about the 80s. <laughs> you know, because we're so into rebooting things right now, you know, we, we have new ideas. There's new ideas, right? Sure we do. Plenty of new ideas. I think there's pl plenty of new ideas. But yeah, we love reboots. I guess we're just so into nostalgia. And we were talking about some reboots you know, that I, I would like to see some ideas for some 80s reboots that would be more relevant to now. So here are some ideas. The Golden Girls, prequel. <laughs> yeah. Where they're all young and sexy, what's going to happen? Plus a Joker-style origin story about a young immigrant woman titled Sophia. <laughs> murder, she wrote, but she does all the murders, you know? <laughs> We all suspected that the whole time. Anyways, uh, gremlins, but everyone gets mad at the family because they bought a brand new gremlin from a store instead of rescuing one from a gremlin shelter. <laughs> Cheers, but Sam owns a medical marijuana dispensary with float therapy pods upstairs. Who's the boss, but it's about Uber drivers trying to contact their employer. <laughs> And Three's Company, but now called Thrupple's Welcome. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's play some games, everybody. Our first two contestants will play a game about product warnings. Warning, Ask Me Another was made in a facility that also processes tree nuts. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Radhika Nataraj. You're a high school English teacher and like to think of yourself as the Weird Al of education. Why is that? Um, I find that if I don't make a joke every now and then where the kids stare at me, at least that way their eyes are open. So I try <laughs> to like make up different songs and raps and things. And they're not always successful, but at least it gets the kids to not want to die. So, yeah, there's that. So, you, you sort of shock them. I just shock them and I throw in an ad lib every now and then. So, they'll be reading Julius Caesar, you know, and the fault deal Brutus is in our stars. Twinkle, twinkle. And then they're like, <laughs> what, what was that? Radhika, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Dan Fleischaker. You work in marketing and sometimes you get choice freebies from your clients who are, I guess, trying to let you try a little bit of the product. Sure, yeah. Okay, I get what you're talking about because you wouldn't <laughs> believe the tote bags I have. <laughs> I nice. mean, crazy. Yeah. Uh, what, what's something that you've received for free that you were like, this is kind of amazing? We got some cool red light therapy machines. Red which, light therapy? Yeah, very trendy. Um, what is it it's, for? It's good for the skin, good for your mu like muscle recovery. Very, oh. uh, very therapeutic, very, very on trend, very expensive also. What have you used it for? We used it at a party that we had as mood lighting in our office. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is true everyone at the party left and they were like my skin is better yeah. Dan when you ring in we'll hear this Radhika and Dan whoever has more points after two games will move on to our final round this trivia game is called don't say we didn't warn you we're going to give you a real warning found on the packaging of a product you're going to ring in and identify the product here we go do not insert into ear canal. Dan. Q-tips. Yeah, Q-tips. That's right. 
I don't know what else they're for. <laughs> what know. do you do with them? It's the biggest open secret in the world. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, doctors will tell you that you're not supposed to put anything in your ear canal. Blah. Do not blow on the edge connector or touch with your fingers. Dan. A Nintendo game. Yeah, that's right. A Nintendo 64 cartridge. That's right. Yeah. Bag is hot. Pick up bag from top. Dan. Popcorn. I'm going to need you to be a little bit more... Microwave popcorn. Yeah, microwave popcorn. That's right. This toy's packaging warns, direct contact can cause product to stick to hair, including eyebrows and eyelashes, not intended for use as earplugs. Uh, it comes in a plastic egg. Dan. A plastic egg. I was thinking like the chocolate egg, but that can't possibly be right. Um, you should not put that in your ear either. No. Uh, if anything you take from the show is don't put stuff in your ears. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go to Radhika. Do you know the answer, Radhika? Is it Silly Putty? It is Silly Putty. A non-Newtonian fluid. That's correct, yeah. That's right. If thrown, it bounces like a solid. But if left to sit, it flows like a liquid. Mm -hmm. All right, this is your last clue. Please do not eat raw. Dan. Play-Doh. <laughs> I honestly had no idea there was a cooked version. There's not. Okay. There's not. Sorry, that is incorrect. Radhika, can you steal? Um... Is cookie dough some sort of product? Yeah, that's dough? it. Yes. <laughs> I say if you are buying food in a tube, you can have whatever you want, however you want. All right. Great game. Dan is in the lead. In our next game, we'll open up the Ask Me Another hotline, but we're in no competition for the hottest line of all, the equator. <laughs> Every answer has the word call in it, and the points are double. <gasps> Dan, stay in the lead. You're in the final round. Radhika, you need to get more points, or you'll realize you had read receipts on the entire time. Oh, God. I know. Okay, here we go. Let's take our first caller. You're on the air. Hey, Carly Ray. I just met you, and this is crazy, but you gave me your number, so I'm calling you. Radhika. Uh, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Sure, give it all to me. You only had to do half, but you did it all, and you are correct. Okay, next call. Hi, uh, I'm selling candy bars to raise money for my school. Would you like to buy some? some oh, darn, I, I, I forget the name. Um, thingamadoodles? Dan. Whatchamacallits? That's right, yes. <laughs> Next caller, you're on Ask Me Another. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, do you have Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> no. Okay, um, do you have the sultry voice actress from To Have and Have Not and How to Marry a Millionaire in a Can? No, I do not have anyone in a can. 
Dan. Someone Bacall? We can take just the last name, it turns out. Yes, someone Bacall is correct. Lauren Bacall. Lauren. That's right. Lauren Bacall, known for to have and have not and how to marry a millionaire. Sultry voice. Hmm. Okay. No idea. Who that All right, is. yes. Our next call. <laughs> our next call is being patched in from Xbox Live. This is Sergeant Frank Woods. Happy 18th birthday. I'm calling to recruit you for my Black Ops mission. This call is rated M for mature. Radhika. Call of Duty. <laughs> yes, you are excited and correct. I really need points. <laughs> okay. We have time for one more call. Hello, this message for John Thornton. This is your credit card fraud prevention department. Did you spend $2.99 on the complete work of Jack London for Amazon Kindle? Radhika. Call of the Wild. That is correct. Yes. Wow. 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 All right. After an amazing second round with double points, Radhika has moved ahead and is going to our final round. Hey, I can hear you shouting answers through the radio, so why not come to Brooklyn and shout them in my face? Apply to be a contestant? Just go to amatickets.org. And up next, our special guest is Paula Cole. She was part of the first Lilith Fair, and she famously went to the 1998 Grammys with unshaven armpits and faced a huge backlash. I guess America wasn't ready for Lilith hair. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from Nair. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Rothy's. Rothy's are the perfect gift for the woman in your life who is always on the go and loves a good balance of fashion and function. Rothy's are carefully crafted shoes made from repurposed plastic water bottles. They're stylish, available in a wide array of colors and patterns, and fully machine washable. Best of all, they're comfortable and have zero break-in period. Plus, enjoy free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges. Check out their seasonal styles at rothys.com slash another. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Did you know that Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year? Plus, it's automatic. And there's no limit to how much you can earn or how much they'll match. Millions of people a year are getting their cash back matched, like rain falling from the sky. Cash back match, only from Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Putting off your holiday shopping? NPR's Book Concierge is here to help. You can browse more than 2,000 books hand-selected by NPR staff and critics. We have recommendations for food lovers, for music fans, for history buffs, and lots for kids. Visit npr.org slash bestbooks to find the perfect gift. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. She is a Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter whose latest album, Revolution, is available now. Please welcome Paula Cole! (laughs) 
welcome to Ask Me Another, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You know, in researching you, uh, I learned that when you were a student at the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, you, <laughs> yes, uh, you also sang in hotel lounges and as a wedding singer oh, yes. to make some extra cash. Yes, I was working all through college. I would sing Thursday nights at the Boston Logan Airport Hilton Lounge with Al Vega. Yeah. <laughs> and I sang weddings all through college. And then I waitressed, of course. Yeah. Sure. What kind of songs were you singing at the uh, hotel lounge at the Logan Airport? Oh, everything. You know, the autumn leaves <laughs> drift by my window. Yeah. Right? You know, to everything, all those gorgeous standards, because I wanted to be a jazz singer. I started off fancying myself to becoming a female Chet Baker. Like I would improvise over the chord changes, uh -huh. and, or like Ella was another idol, and I was just not sounding like Chet Baker. I was not sounding <laughs> like Ella Fitzgerald. I was so disappointed in myself. But that's, that's another matter. I then started writing my own lyrics, and it became what it became. And you were like, I'm going in a completely different direction. Yes, I had an aha moment. I, yes. I realized <laughs> that I didn't want to um, sing these lyrics that were often really depressing, like Billie Holiday's songs about being beaten and, or, you know, worse, like, I enjoy being a girl. Woohoo! Yeah, right. right? <laughs> this kind of stuff. Or, you know, the bridge to black coffee is like, now a man is born to go a-loving, a woman's born to weep and fret, to stay at home and tend her oven, and drown her past regrets in coffee and cigarettes. Right, and it's a lot of these <laughs> kinds of depressing lyrics about being beaten or stuck in the house or being a girl and, and swallowing just your regrets. Yeah. That was not my reality. I didn't want to perpetuate these realities being written by men in the 50s, right? I wanted my realities. I needed them like therapy. So I went into therapy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I started writing songs. And the songs were really autobiographical and not really jazz. I don't know. They're just me. I don't belong in any one been. Yes. But you know, at the end of a life, it's a good thing even now, and I'm 51, and I, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I'm just me. But, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so going back uh, to the origin, in 1993, Peter Gabriel left a message on your answering machine, which I believe is the most 90s thing anyone real, can say. cassette tape. <laughs> Uh, and he left you a message saying that Sinead O'Connor had taken off from his Secret World Tour and wanted to know if you might fill in. It was excellent timing. It was just one of those incredibly lucky things, I think. You know? yeah. That was my first tour. Imagine that, with Peter Gabriel in front of like tens of thousands in Europe and five-star, first-class everything, and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Right, because you have no idea, but also, it's your first tour, but you slip in halfway through. At the very end, actually, and I had one rehearsal, and I'm there standing in Mannheim, Germany, <laughs> at the rehearsal with my idol, who shows up, and, and we sing Don't Give Up, you know? And, Whirlwind. But I was such a fan. I, I was studied. I love him. I love his music. As we say in jazz 50s lingo, see, uh, the Chet Baker in me uh -huh. says, not dead. But, um, yeah, I, I shed his music. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
You know, I feel like you kind of are always ahead of the curve. 1997, you were at the Grammy Awards, nominated for several Grammys, but you won for Best New Artist, and you accept the award uh, with noticeably hairy armpits, and this becomes the headline of the whole event. It was such a statement. I was a natural woman. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I got a lot of backlash. I think I was just a lot for people to take. I was the first sole <laughs> woman being nominated in the producer category. Oh. And that took a lot of fight just to get to that point, to be producing my own albums. And then I flipped the bird at the Grammys, and they edited that out. <laughs> And then there was the Harry Armpit thing. I was just a lot. And then Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Where Have All the Cowboys Gone was like really misunderstood and understood in very different ways. So I think I just take time, right? <laughs> like a full-bodied red. <laughs> I mean, you were also one of the headliners at the groundbreaking Lilith Fair Festival of uh, 1997 to 1999. Lilith Fair was founded by uh, Sarah McLaughlin, who, you know, she founded because she was repeatedly told by concert promoters that you can't put two women on the same concert bill because that would be poison to the box office. No one would buy tickets. That's right. And I read that a lot of people, she contacted all kinds of uh, artists to be part of it, and some of the women said no. Sure. I was that other woman, by the way, because we were touring together in 1995 for her Fumbling Towards Ecstasy album and my Harbinger album, and I was the opener, and that was radical. I would thank the audiences every night. Thank you for supporting us, and I want to thank Sarah McLaughlin for having me on the stage because it's just very uncommon for two women to be on the same bill. It was very uncommon for radio to play a woman after a woman. It just didn't happen. You were given a slot, like... One every hour or you know, sure. one every 13 men or something. It's just hard. It was just hard. So here she did that and supported me and then just kept rolling with it. We realized there was a zeitgeist when we started vocalizing our thanks that people would really clap. They really knew it was unjust. There was something about it. And so she just kept it rolling like a snowball into Lilith Fair. And I was there for the first two years, the first concert. And I tell you, it was probably the best audiences I've ever experienced. We were there in a movement of peace and love. It felt like the original intention of Woodstock probably felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And then your new album, Revolution, you've described it as a protest album. The whole album is yeah. a protest album. Um, so what are you advocating for? There's a lot in it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, I'm singing songs about the planet. I don't feel we have enough songs about our climate, our beautiful Mother Earth, and I wrote some songs that touch upon race. I mean, my beautiful daughter's biracial race affects my life on a daily basis, and I think about it a lot. Being a woman, being reminded that I'm a woman many times through life when it seemed unfair. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, being a woman in the music business, hello. I felt the need to come out with some of my stories and my truths, the art of just speaking it is so uncomfortable. I was raised by silent generation parents, you know. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult, but I feel that we Xers, we boomers, we do need to talk. We do need to have this conversation. So I'm trying. That's at the heart of the album. But it touches upon politics, of course. Yeah. Politics and, and, and many things, all bundled together to make a social protest album. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
All right, Paula Cole, are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Oh, dear. Okay, I'll do my best. Okay. Yes. So when our producers asked about your interests, you said human anatomy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Is that real? Are you sure that's real? Well, my dad was a biologist, a I, biology and ecology professor. Yeah, okay. This game is called Macy Gray's Anatomy. Every answer is two rhyming words. For example, if I said the first word is where the esophagus and the epiglottis are found, and the second word is a single musical tone, you would answer throat, throat. note. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah? I got throat. We can okay. do it we can do it together. Right. <laughs> we can do it together. And if you do well enough, listener Amanda O'Mahoney will from Louisville, Kentucky will win an ask me another Rubik's <gasps> oh, Cube. I'm gonna do good by oh you. yeah, you're okay. gonna do great. Okay. The first word is an organ that processes sensory information, cognition, and motor functions. The second word is a repeated phrase in a song. Brain refrain. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Feels good, right? Feels good? Oh, dear. Okay. The first word is the back of the lower leg. Okay. The second word is the five horizontal lines on a sheet of music that notes are written on. Calf? Yes. Staff? Yes. I have seen that exact tattoo and placement. <laughs> okay. okay, the first word is an organ that filters blood as part of the immune system. The second word is a handheld percussion instrument with metal discs around the edge. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know one of them, right? Liver quiver? Ooh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna have to accept that, yes. I, I feel like you figured out a different one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with liver quiver. We were going with spleen tambourine. Oh. <laughs> and by the way, a spleen being a flat ductless organ could be used as a tambourine. Just saying. <laughs> the first word is a fancy way to say kneecap. Okay. And the second term is when you sing without instrumental accompaniment. Patella a cappella. Yes. Exactly. They lunge a lot, a cappella bands. Don't you find they do a lot of lunging? Hard on their yes. knees. Hard on their knees. I know. It's performative. Feel all the rhythms in the <laughs> lunging. Okay, the first word is short for a butt cheek muscle. The second word is a woodwind instrument twice as big as a piccolo. A glute flute. Yeah! <laughs> okay, this is your last clue. The first word is the digit on your foot that contains just two phalanges because all of the others have three. And the second word is the speed of a musical piece. Well, okay. The digit with two phalanges, is that what you said? It's the digit on your foot that right. contains... Right, it would be the pinky toe, I think. So, and you Other end. Go on the other end of the oh, foot. Go on the other big end. Big toe. And what, and what was the second part again? Is the uh, speed of a musical piece. That's tempo. Big toe tempo. Big toe tempo. <laughs> yeah. That's where you keep it. Congratulations, Paula. You and uh, listener Amanda O'Mahoney both want to ask me another Rubik's Cube. Uh,
All right, Paula will return to play another game later in the show. Give it up for Paula Cole, everybody. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next two contestants will play a word game full of bad puns. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Sarah Gruber. You're a grad student studying musical theater. And when you were a kid, you modeled for American Girl dolls in fashion shows. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> okay. First of all, they had fashion shows? They did. So they chose me, and I modeled all of uh, Kirsten's outfits. And, and Kirsten... Kirsten it? is the uh, blonde Swedish girl. So. <laughs> uh, so they put you in this fancy outfit. Was that your main doll, Kirsten? That's the one you did? I mean, yeah. Kirsten was the main one. He had to hold the doll as he went down oh my the goodness. runway, you know, in her matching outfits. It was all... A bit creepy looking back. <laughs> Did you get a doll? No, and I'm honestly offended. Yeah, I was going to say. I feel like they should have paid us in dolls. Or like, did they pay you in money? Uh, not that I remember. <laughs> yeah. All right, ask your parents. Ask your yep, parents. Yep. Sarah, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Matt Lyman. You work for a tech company in Seattle. Weird. And to celebrate New Year's Eve, you throw a <laughs> dinner party made up of uh, dishes inspired by the year's headlines? We do. So give me an idea of a, a dish. We had the James Comey testimony. We made a seven-layer dip because uh, he's seven feet tall. That's good. That's uh, good. Yeah. One, one layer was um, spicy, so it was the oh lordy layer for him. Very good. <laughs> Matt, when you're ringing, we'll hear this. Remember, Sarah and Matt, whoever has more points after two games will go on to our final round. We've got a word game for you called Good Play, Bad Movie. In this game, you'll mash up well-regarded stage plays and musicals with critically panned movies. Jonathan Colton, would you like to give us an example, please? I very much would. Thank so, you. if we said, this Andrew Lloyd Webber rock opera replaces the Apostles with a rebooted 70s cop duo played by Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, you would answer, Jesus Christ, Super, Starsky, and Hutch. Here we go. In this ill-advised Shakespeare-slash-SNL crossover, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan bop their heads to the lyrics, if music be the food of love, baby don't hurt me, baby don't hurt me, play on. Sarah. Uh, Twelfth Night in Talladega? Is that a movie? Is that a movie? That is a movie, but it doesn't Not the work right. in this moment. Okay, Matt, can you steal? Yes. Uh, Twelfth Night at the Roxbury. Yes, that is correct. When Willie Loman can't handle his increasing failures, his company replaces him with a giant snake from the Amazon jungle who knows how to swallow the competition whole. Sarah. Okay, it's Death of a Salesman. Death of a Sales Mandaconda. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, there you go. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Alison Bechdel meets Macaulay Culkin in this musical memoir about a kid who's separated from his family in the Big Apple and gets a job at a mortuary. Sarah. Fun Home Alone. Uh, I'm sorry we can't accept that. Matt, do you know the answer? Well, uh, in New York, so would it be Fun Home Alone 2 Lost in New York? Yeah, that's oh! right. There we go. <laughs> that was a tough beat, Sarah. You're I'm welcome, sorry. You're welcome. I have to follow the rules, is the thing. This one is super easy. 
<laughs> Vin Diesel is the perfect choice to play the female protagonist in this Pulitzer-winning Wendy Wasserstein play that follows the title character over three decades, from a high school student to art historian to fugitive fighting off an army of necromongers. <sighs> army of necromongers. I feel like Matt's... Um, I'm, I'm just going to... I don't Matt. have any idea what this play is, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm looking forward to what you're about to say. I know, I'm pretty sure, though, that the movie is The Tales of Riddick. It feels like, because mm-hmm. it's that, Necromonsters. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave it at that, because I have literally no idea what play that okay. is. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. There's, I cannot okay. give it to you. Matt, okay. Sarah, do you know the answer? I needed to hear. Uh, my undergrad theater teacher is going to be so mad, because we've read so much Wendy Wasserstein. Is it Uncommon People and something, something? You get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I can't give it to no, you. No, 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 you should say correct. Correct, that is correct. <laughs> Uh, what we're looking for is the Heidi Chronicles oh, of Riddick. Mm. I didn't know that. Oh, he's going to be so mad. Here's your last clue. It's a real workout. You guys. Yeah, it really is. David Mamet's trademark wit falls flat in this Mike Myers spy spoof. Coffee is for closers, baby. Sarah. Austin Powers, I think maybe is the movie. David Mamet. Um, going to pass. All right, All right Matt. Can you steal? Uh, I can. It's Glenn Gary, Glenn Roston Powers. Oh. Yeah, that's right. All right, great game. Matt is in the lead. Coming up, Paula Cole returns, and Jonathan Colton has a music parody game about one-hit wonders. Maybe this will be the one game that makes us famous. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Zoom is used by millions to connect face-to-face, across town, or around the world. Zoom ties together all of your unified communication tools into one easy platform for video conferencing, phone calls, group chat, webinars, and conference rooms. Zoom is how business gets done. Visit Zoom online to set up your free account today. Meet happy with Zoom. This message comes from NPR sponsor, State Farm. Why do you need State Farm's renter's insurance? Because it helps protect the stuff landlords don't, like your furniture that gets drenched by a broken pipe, or when a burglar makes off with your new laptop. When you add it all up, your stuff's probably worth more than you think. Make sure it's protected with State Farm's renter's insurance. Find an agent or get a quote at statefarm.com. Hey, it's Ophira again. Just to remind you to donate to an NPR member station, visit npr.org slash AMA, or just text the word AMA to the number 49648. We'll send you a text message with a link where you can find your local station and make your contribution. Message and data rates may apply. You can visit npr.org slash SMS terms for privacy and text message terms. And thank you. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Sarah and Matt. Soon they'll play a game about things from the 1980s, like that time the Kool-Aid man busted through the Berlin Wall. (laughs) History. Let's check in with them. Sarah, what's one thing 
from this decade, you think that people might be nostalgic for 40 years from now? There's this Japanese app that you can get on your phone called uh, Niko Atsume, where you just basically feed a bunch of cats that come to your neighborhood. <gasps> yes. It's basically Pokemon Go for cat moms. And it's just so soothing and relaxing. And I think people are going to need that in 40 years. Just something to like look back and it's like, it's time to go feed my digital cats yeah, <laughs> and buy them presents. Do you think it will still be on a handheld device? And no, it's going to be on some like giant computer screen that fills up like the entire wall of your apartment. Oh, I like that. Something. We'll go back to large screens. It'll be like virtual reality. I'm working with you on making this real. Thank I'm you. into it. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> so Matt, uh, what's one thing from this decade that you think will be nostalgic for? For sure, the McConnell. Sense. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's yeah, his, re, his resurgence his for, resurgence for sure. to amazing yes. projects. Yes, this decade has brought us so Dallas many Byers amazing. Dallas Club. Yeah, Magic Mike. Who can't forget that? I never saw it. True Detective. Uh, yeah. True yeah. Detective. Time is a flat circle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like how you know a tidbit about everything. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Perfect. That's my life. A tidbit. <laughs> a tidbit. Well, it's going to work in your favor. This music parody <laughs> game is about 80s trends. Uh, Matt's staying the lead, and you're in the final round. Sarah, you need to get more points, or you have to leave your friends behind. Yeah, because your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. We rewrote one-hit wonders from the 1980s to make them about 80s stuff. Ring in and tell me what 80s thing I'm singing about, and if you get that right, you can earn a bonus point by naming the original song or the artist who made it famous. Here we go. It's poetry in motion I play the tape on my TV Such aerobic devotion Her leg warmers are warming me This Oscar-winning actress This Oscar-winning actress Is physically more fit than me Sarah. Uh, Jane Fonda exercise tapes. Yeah, Jane Fonda workout videos. That's correct. Very good. You know what? I miss exercise videos from the 80s. Like, remember when exercise wasn't just like throwing tires around <laughs> yeah. and doing burpees? It was just like dressing up and... Putting on clothes and bouncing around. <laughs> Just throw your arms around and do some knee-ups. Yeah, that's So much more fun. Uh, Sarah, for a bonus point, can you name the song or the artist? Um, I have no idea, so I'm not going to even bother guessing. (laughs) Okay. That was She Blinded Me With Science by Thomas Dolby. Squishy ball on your sneaker. Tell me what's the point of it. Because the tongue inflates and then it deflates. Why don't you buy shoes that fit? Matt. Uh, it's Reebok, any of those, the pump. Uh, Reebok the, pump, yeah, that's yeah. correct. And I believe that was Safety Dance it by was, Men Without Hats. Yeah, you got it, that's right. Here's your next one. Now my torso's wide Cause I've got these inside my fashion sense is baller They even make my waist look smaller In my blazer I look like the ladies of Dynasty Sarah? Shoulder pads? Yeah, shoulder pads I know the song this time Yeah, All right. there it's a you good go song. Tainted Love by Soft Cell Yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. Woo! Know that one 
Remember when you used to take off a blazer in the 80s and then the guy you were dating were like, what do you mean those weren't real? I specifically was trying to date a woman with incredibly pointy shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) It's in a book. Hallelujah, so take a look. It's on PBS and LeVar told you, have you heard? But you don't have to take his word. Matt? It's reading Rainbow. It sure is. And that was It's Raining Men. Yeah, that's right. The Weather Girls. Okay. Oh, Nancy, your first lady, time to right some wrongs. Because kids are getting high on their marijuana bongs. All they need is a simple slogan they can understand. It's a war on drugs, Nancy. What should they do, Nancy? Do, Nancy. Three simple words, Nancy. Matt? Just say no. Yes, please. That is correct. Uh, And the song is Mickey. Yeah, that's right, Tony Basil. This is your last clip. My hairstyle says business in the front, business in the front, party in the back. Sarah. A mullet. A mullet, that's correct. Bonus point if you can name that song or artist. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Billy Ray Cyrus because of the mullet. It's, mm. a, it's a fine guess, but it's incorrect. It's Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Not the greatest song in the world. No, no. Don't go and listen to it. It's not even worth it. Noted. I love the business in the front and party in the back. Just the idea that someone at a job like Monday through Friday morning, he never shows the back of his head. That's right. We're like, that guy's all business. And then yeah. Friday afternoon, they're like, he's a boy! Wait a minute! <laughs> all right, after two games, Matt is moving on to our final round. The final round is coming up, but first it's time for us to play another game with our special guest. Please welcome back Paula Cole. Yay! Paula, you told us that you're interested in bird calls. Is this true? I do. I'm, I, I love to feed the birds and go out there and whistle at them. And my dad and I would hike a lot and listen to birds. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a birder? Mm, a, a little bit. A little bit? Okay. Yeah. Minor birder? Minor ornithologist. Minor ornithologist. Do you do any bird calls? Well, not very well. I mean, I could probably like... Do you yeah, know what that one is? Good. <laughs> uh, morning Dove. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> that was a very good impression. That was good. You had two hands involved. There was a cupping thing around your mouth. You're like, not very good. Hang on. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so as our producer did some bird research, she noticed that many birds have been known by some very silly names. For example, in Old English, an owl was called a winkapus. Hard to believe they decided to change that. So much more descriptive. So in this game, you and Jonathan are on a team, and we're going to see if you can figure out some of these other strange avian names in a game we call Fun Old Birds. 
<laughs> which I believe is a all-female comedy show that I'll be doing next week. <laughs> All right. Going back to the 16th century, what type of bird was called an arse foot? Well, well your arse. You know, your arse, yeah. Like in old Ireland, you know. Yeah, <laughs> your arse. <laughs> And, and obviously, uh, most birds' feet are pretty close to their arses as it is. But I'm, I'm assuming this is a bird that has its feet particularly close to its arse. Yes. Right? It waddles because it's so close Some to its arse. Some sort of arse. a waddling, <laughs> waddling bird with arse foot closeness problems. <laughs> a yeah, pe- a like penguin? A penguin. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, an arse foot can actually refer to any water bird, uh, but especially a duck, loon, or penguin. And uh-huh. it's exactly because the way the feet are positioned very much under their butts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. In ancient Greece, what bird was called a sparrow camel? Okay. Sparrow is a kind of bird. Sure is. <laughs> so we know that much. Camel... So camels... Oh, so maybe like a large bird that looked like a sparrow? Mm. Right. Mm. Or a, there's a whole thing about they used to think that camels kept water in their humps. Sure. Are there any birds with humps? Probably not. Think about what else you know about like camels. Like an emu or a... What else do I they, know about the camels? Water? Their hump? They're mean. How about that? How about they're mean? They're mean and they spit. <laughs> they have flat feet so they can walk in the sand. Like Big Bird. Like Big Bird. Is it Big Bird? Mean Big Bird. <laughs> Is it a mean Big Bird? You're right. In ancient Greece, the origin <laughs> of Sesame Street. <laughs> Maybe it's a desert bird. I think you were, you you were really good. Ostrich? Uh, oh, ostrich. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Yes. yes. Well done. Yes, Big Bird, and specifically because of their long necks and, you know, just as a sideline. I don't know if you've been around any ostriches. Pretty mean. Yeah, I dated a guy who had an ostrich farm. uh, And, yeah, part of the reason we broke up. uh, Ostriches are super mean. They look at you weird. They'll charge you. (laughs) I mean, same. I'm the same. You're the same. Okay, according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service publication, obsolete English names of birds and their modern equivalents. Honker is an obsolete name for what bird? There's the obvious answer, that there's a bird that honks. Yeah, I would go with oh, the most obvious. A goose, right? Is it a goose? Not only a goose, but the $1,000 jacket goose. There's a bird called the $1,000 jacket goose? <laughs> yes. Canadian goose. Yes, the Canada goose. Oh, oh I see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Canada joke. It's a Canada clothing joke. Actually, it turns out it's an American joke that you guys buy them for that much money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thousand Canadian dollars, though, so it's, <laughs> it's actually right. not very much oh, at all. It's bird feet. It's bird feet. <laughs> all right, this is your last clue. According to the book Knowledge for the People... Published in the 1800s, what bird was known as the egg sucker? Is there a bird? Maybe like a big bill or uh, big? Some sort of pokey. He's obviously got some sort of pokey oh, bill. Poker. Egg. Poker. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right? Is, is it the poker bird? The poker bird. No, that's so a, just a big... 
What's like this? A uh, pelican. A pelican? Mm, is, what's like that toucan sp- Mighty Sam kind <laughs> of thing? Toucan. toucan. Yes, it's toucan, a toucan is correct. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nice. Because the author inaccurately reported that the toucan's main diet was the eggs of other birds. The egg Fake suckers. news. But that's fake news. Sucker. Yes, we all know it. A toucan's diet really consists of fruit, bugs, and breakfast cereal. <laughs> all right. Paula and Jonathan, you both did great. What a good team. Paula's latest album is called Revolution and is available now. Paula Cole, everybody. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists, Radhika Nataraj, who told her students Shakespeare wrote, The fault is in our stars, twinkle, twinkle. And Matt Lyman, who knows one line from True Detective. Radhika and Matt, your final round is inspired by Aretha Franklin and the song Respect. Every answer is seven letters long and starts with R, just like R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And like Aretha, you must spell each answer correctly to get the point. And our big winner will receive an Ask Me of the Rubik's Cube, signed by Paula Cole. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Radhika is going first. Remember, each answer is a seven-letter word starting with R. Like Radhika. Like Radhika. (laughs) And you must spell it correctly (laughs) to earn the point. Here we go. Radhika, it's a cold-blooded vertebrae like a snake or a lizard. Reptile. R E P. T-I-L-E, reptile. (laughs) That is correct. I'm brown. I do it for the spelling bee. (laughs) Matt, this geometric shape has four sides of the same length. A rhombus. R-H-O-M-B-U-S, rhombus. That is right. Radhika, this creamy Italian dish is typically made with aborio rice. Risotto. R-I-S-O-T-T-O. That is correct. Matt, in this 1980s arcade game, a giant gorilla, lizard, and werewolf destroy a city. Also a very great movie. Rampage. R-A-M-P-A-G-E. Rampage. Well done. Radhika, this Carrie is known for the Americans and for her controversial hairstyle change in Felicity. Oh, gosh, it's not Washington. (laughs) Uh, Three seconds. uh, Russell, Carrie Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L. Matt, Jungle Book author Kipling was named after this English lake. Well, Rudyard, R-U-D-Y-A-R-D. That is correct. Okay, we're halfway through. Jonathan, how are our contestants doing? Well, with that question, Matt has pulled into the lead. It is three to two. Radhika, Julius Caesar defiantly crossed this small European river, now part of an expression indicating a point of no return. I really should know this. It is the river... (laughs) (laughs) R. Okay. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. We're looking for Rubicon, R-U-B-I-C-O-N. Matt, this news agency is a competitor to the Associated Press. Uh, Reuters, 
R-E-U-T-E-R-S. That is correct. Radhika, this famous ancient stone helped researchers decode hieroglyphics. Rosetta. R-O-S-E-T-T-A. That is correct. Here's the situation. I'm ready. The score is four to three. And Matt, if you get this question right, you win. Matt, in mythology, he founded Rome with his twin brother, Remus. Oh. Uh, Is it Romulus? R-O-M-U-L-U-S? That is correct. Congratulations, Matt. Radhika, great job. Awesome contender. And congratulations, Matt. That's our show. Our podcast drops each Friday. Listen and subscribe. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolt Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Scott Ross and senior writer Karen Lurie with additional material by Kara Weinberger and Emily Winter. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seychell, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Natalie Hatayan. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Our boss's bosses are Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore and Noriko Akabe. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, the Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Haripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, meet us at the Bell House on Monday, December 9th for a very special live taping of Ask Me Another. We're bringing back four previous victors for our first ever Tournament of Champions. Plus, from Showtime's Billions, comedian Dan Soder. And from the sitcom Sunnyside, Cal Penn. Info and tickets at amatickets.org. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, tis the season to revisit our very special holiday episode, A Quizmas Carol, where everyone's favorite grump, Ebenezer Scrooge, fills in as our puzzle guru. Danielle, you celebrate two Christmases every year. Why is that? Twice the Christmas. That's a nightmare. (laughs) Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. 